0: Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon and be blessed.
1: The one thing that I have grasped over the past couple of weeks, and I think the Lord kind of held this for at this point, So that as we go through Acts chapter 21, I could share with you what I've seen as kind of a pattern over and over and over in the book of Acts. So if we think back to the very beginning when we started in the book of Acts, one of the things that we actually began with in that passage of Scripture that Luke has recorded for us is Jesus saying hey, the Holy Spirit is coming, and you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And then we see this amazing arrival of the Holy Spirit in the in Acts chapter 2, and how the Lord filled them, and they began to speak in the other languages for all of the people who were gathered were able to hear the gospel, began to be presented in their, uh, in their own language, in their own tongue. And then thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, as we've gone from Acts one here to now in Acts chapter 21 have given their life to Jesus Christ. But one of the people that we see in the book of Acts that has risen to kind of being uh, the the central figure towards the mid and the the last part here in Acts is a man named Saul whose name was changed to Paul. And we've seen his journeys over and over and over, how he he came to the faith, how he was mentored, uh, and then now he's out leading on his own. And there's so many people that are giving their lives to Jesus Christ. But in this, what we see over and over is God leading His people, God dealing with His people, God caring for His people. And then people who were lost and bound by sin have now been set free, and they're walking in the newness of the life that is only found in Jesus Christ, and then the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But as I've read through the book of acts I've I've tried to put myself in that setting and tried to imagine what would it have been like if they didn't have the internet if they didn't have air conditioning, if they didn't have electricity, and if they didn't have uh, churches like we are actually blessed to be able to gather in right now, what would it have been like to actually go from town to town? And as you're preaching the gospel, people begin to persecute and kill people because they believe in, in, in Christ. And then they're, they're stoning. At one point, they stoned Paul to death, or almost to the death, that they thought he was dead, and they drug him outside of the city and left him for the animals to just uh, carry him off. And God raises him back up and heals him. So, what would that have actually been like? And here in Acts chapter twenty and Acts chapter twenty-one, what we see is Paul saying, "I know that I have to go to Jerusalem," and he says, "Whenever I go to Jerusalem, I know when I get there, I'm actually going to be arrested." And then he knew the next step more than likely was he was going to have to give his life just because he's now following Jesus Christ. And he's just being obedient. In this moment, could you imagine what it would have actually been like To say, hey, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I just know that I know that God is actually leading me to Jerusalem. And whenever I get there, I'm going to be arrested. and I'm going to go through all of this hardships. And I'm going to have what minor comforts I actually have taken away from me. And I'm going to have to give my life for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could you imagine what that had been like? And then as I thought about that, the next step that I thought is, well, what if Paul had gone to a different place? But what we see here in Paul was a deep commitment to doing the will of God. Paul was committed to whatever God had said, that is what he was going to do. And Paul knew that God had said to him, you have to go to Jerusalem. So could you imagine this debate that was inside of Paul? I know what God said to me. And I know what's going to happen to me whenever I do what God said. But I'm out here and I'm preaching the gospel and I'm going from town to town and yes, it absolutely is hard and yes, there are people that are opposing me and coming at me and they're speaking out against me. They're trying to take my life. I'm having to sneak in and out of towns from time to time and all of these people, thousands of people are giving their life to Jesus Christ. Shouldn't I keep doing what I'm doing instead of having to go to Jerusalem, get arrested and then give my life for what I'm actually out here doing? Could you imagine that tension that was actually inside of Paul and how he had to wrestle with that? But here's the greater question. How do you know that you know that you know the will of God? We've got to wrestle with that, and we have to have an answer for that because Paul knew that he had to go to Jerusalem. Paul knew what he was about to go through, And he was obedient to the will of God. So how do you know what the will of God is? Have you ever wrestled with something and you're just trying to say, God, I want to do what you want me to do. I know that I'm not going to be like Paul and get arrested for my faith and have to die because of my... I know that I'm not going to have to face that much opposition in my life. I'm just over here trying to do what you want me to do in my life every single day with all of these comforts and freedoms that I actually have. I just want to do what you want me to do, God. Could you please help me do your will? How is it that we can be obedient to God? How is it that we can know... What God wants us to do. And this is what Paul has modeled for us, and this is what the other believers have actually modeled for us here in the book of Acts. And I hope that you have caught that as we've gone through the book of Acts over and over and over, despite the hardships, despite the frustrations, Despite the opposition, and even if they give their life, we see this model. They're going to be obedient to the will of God. And Paul is actually on this journey and coming towards the end of his life. His missionary journeys are over. He's on his way back to Jerusalem. He's done his kind of farewell tour, and he's saying goodbye to everybody. And we get to Acts chapter 21. And we'll see that there are some other people that are wrestling with this as well. So would you follow with me in Acts chapter 21? After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kaz. The next day, we went to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia. We went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on into Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. All the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. Now this goodbye that they're actually saying here really is a last goodbye. They had a, Paul had a sense that this was the end of his life. And so this goodbye was more than just, and they said goodbye to each other, and they, they moved on. I can only imagine what the emotion was like in this, knowing that they begged Paul, please don't go to Jerusalem, because we know what's going to happen to you in Jerusalem. But yet Paul said, I know what God has spoken to me. I know that I have to be obedient to God. I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense Because people are giving their life for the gospel when I'm out here preaching the good news. But God wants me to go, and he wants me to actually give my life, to be arrested. I don't know why I have to do it. I just know that I have to do it. And so this was an emotional goodbye. It was one of those goodbyes that you're like, just one more hug. Can you please just give me one more hug? And there was a tornness, if you will, in this goodbye. In verse 7. We continued on our voyage from Tyre and landed at uh, Palaeimus, where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. You remember we studied about Philip earlier in the book of Acts. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Verse 9 is a key verse that helps form some of our theology. Verse 10, though, it says, After we had been there for a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When he heard this, and we the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound... But also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Then he would not be when he would not be dissuaded. We gave up and we said, "The Lord's will be done." After this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Manassan, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. And so, so I hope that you've you've caught here. What's actually transpired is Paul is saying his final goodbyes. And he's actually almost, almost to Jerusalem. And we see in this next passage of Scripture, Paul's going to arrive at Jerusalem. And we'll look at those in the weeks, to, in the weeks ahead. But here in Acts chapter 21, verse 14, I'm going to put up on the screen for you. Because I want you to, to grasp this. Paul knew what the will of God was. He was on the way to do the will of God. And he's sharing that with everybody. And to other people, it did not make sense. Have you ever known what God's will was for your life? You were confident of that, not wavering, but you knew what God's will was for your life. And to everybody else, it didn't make sense. To other people, it didn't make sense. It's like, why would you want to go? Why would you want to do that? You've got all these comforts, everything's going well for you. It seems like God is blessing you over and over and over. So, why would you want to leave that and why would you want to go to something else? Well, that's exactly the tension that was here between Paul and the other believers. Now, these were some good-hearted people that were in love with Jesus Christ. They were not only committed to the gospel, but they were being obedient. And these were the people that Paul had poured into. And they were being raised up in the faith to be some amazing people. But yet they're saying, Paul, please don't go to Jerusalem. And then the Holy Spirit actually speaks through another believer and they go through this demonstration of taking Paul's belt and the Holy Spirit says, this is the man who's actually going to be arrested and he's going to have to actually give his life for the gospel. Paul says, I'm okay with that. I'll go forward with that. They again say, please don't do it. And in verse 14, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Now they're not passing Paul off here. And saying, well, whatever, you're just crazy and you're gonna go give your life. What we actually see demonstrated in Acts chapter 21, uh, verse 14, are two things Paul would not be dissuaded. And what I hope that for us today, we would get to that place to where when we know the will of God, when God has actually spoken to us, we would be a people, despite whether it makes sense in our earthly minds or not, we would not be a people that would be dissuaded from the will of God. And then what happens in Paul's Um, not being dissuaded from doing what didn't make sense, but instead being obedient to the will of God. Everybody else said, well, all we want is God's will to actually be done. You see, whenever you are committed to doing God's will, sitting with Him and listening for Him and discerning what He wants for us and then checking to make sure that we have right what God has actually required of us, Whenever that is on on display in your life, then other people will say, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. However, we just want God's will to be done. You see, sometimes God places us in these situations for a variety of reasons, and one of which I believe is to help build the faith of other people. Because whenever we are obedient, God's presence is always with us. But whenever we are disobedient, we have stepped outside of the presence of God. And this is where Paul was here in Acts chapter 21. He's like, it doesn't make sense. I can't understand it. I know it's going to hurt, and I don't want to do it in the flesh. However, I'm going to be obedient to that. And so that's when we actually see Paul's amazing faith on display here. But the real question for us is how is it that we can discern the will of God? How is it that we can get to this type of faith that Paul actually had here in Acts chapter 21? Now, for a lot of us, Paul had been a follower of Jesus for a lot fewer years than probably the majority of us had been. But yet he was so confident in his faith here. He was so confident to willingly give of himself, even to the point of death, and here we have to resolve this in our life. How is it that we can actually know that we know that we know the will of God? How is it that we can get to the place in our life where we're, we are as confident as the Apostle Paul is? And I believe it's from seeking God. So I want to begin this morning by asking you, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? You see, Paul was seeking nothing, nothing but to be obedient to Jesus Christ. He didn't care where he went. He didn't care who opposed him. He didn't care what would come his way. He didn't care if they did arrest him and they did put him in jail. Paul said, I just want to be obedient to God. God, I'm just going to seek you and all of you and what you want from me is the only thing that I want. And that was the resolve or the commitment that was actually inside of Paul. We have to understand how to be with God, to be in his presence so that we will be able to hear his voice or sense what it is that he actually has for us. In Acts chapter 20, we see this from Paul. In Acts chapter 21, we see this from Paul. And then we see the other believers finally get to the point, well, whatever it is that God actually wants, that's the thing that I actually want. We have to be a people that are constantly seeking God in every area of our lives, in fact, Jeremiah 33, verse 13 says this. You, this is God speaking. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The resolve here that God is asking is not a half-heartedness, but he says instead, you're going to find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So our job, has to be a, is, our job must be to be a people that seek God with all of our heart. Because the way that Paul figured out that he had to go to Jerusalem so that he could be arrested, so that they would eventually take his life, is he was seeking God constantly. He was staying in step with the Spirit that had filled him so that as the Spirit led, Paul actually was just following the Spirit. And here's the beautiful thing that takes the pressure off of us. We don't have to figure it out. Have you ever had a problem in your life? that you're just like, I've, got, I've just got to figure this out. Some of the things that we some, or One of the things that we sometimes do is we say, I just need to get away, I need to clear my head, and I just got to figure out this problem that is in front of me. No, you don't. What you have to figure out is how we restructure our lives to spend time seeking Jesus so that he can tell us what the next step is. Because the beautiful thing is we serve a God who already has everything figured out. We don't have to figure it out. So the weight is off of our shoulders. So what are you struggling with? What is the tension that is inside of you that you just cannot resolve? Don't figure it out. Seek God with all of your heart so that He then has ordered our steps. He said the promise that He gave us in Jeremiah thirty-three thirteen. Is that when you seek me with all of your heart, then you're going to find me. Well, how did Paul get to the place that he knew that he had to do this? He was just seeking God with all of his heart. And then as we begin to apply this practice and this pattern over and over in our life, then what we will discover is that when we seek God with all of our heart, we'll begin to sense his leading and his speaking in every area of our life. But if we're just half-heartedly doing it, then what happens is we're going to be half wrong. And then as we are half wrong, the lies of the enemy are going to come at us, and we're going to begin to believe, well, this doesn't really work, because if it was really God, then it's going to work all of the time. I'm going to be with God all of the time, and then he's going to order my steps. But the lies of the enemy are it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. It causes us to get discouraged. We become depressed. We, we finally decide I've got to give up because this is actually not working. You see, that is a half-heartedness. And what Paul is demonstrating for us is the fullness of our being, seeking God so that God has directed us. We have to be a people that are committed to seeking God with all of our heart so that we begin to sense his leading and his speaking. And this is that pattern that I finally see 20, 21 chapters in the book of Acts that's happened over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures. I'm going to put them on the screen so that you can catch what's happening in these scriptures through the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 8, verse 26. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road. Here God is actually speaking through an angel who comes to Philip and says, I have directed you to actually go this direction. Here Philip was seeking God with all of his heart, and Philip was actually obedient here in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 9, Verse 10, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. God speaking to Ananias in a vision here. And Ananias steps out because Ananias here is seeking God with all of his heart. In Acts chapter 10, verse 11, Peter, Peter saw heaven opened up. This is a vision. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. God's speaking here to Peter. Peter seeking God with all of his heart. And God opens up the heavens for Peter to see in with a vision. Then in Acts chapter 11, verse 9, Saul, this is who is called Paul that we're reading about here in Acts 20 and 21. Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Eleamus and said, Here Paul is so full of the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit begins to actually speak through Paul with a boldness that was necessary for this conversation. In Acts chapter 15 verse 28, watch what's happening here to a multitude, a large group of people. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. The Holy Spirit as affirmed in a multitude, in a crowd of people. And so here the Holy Spirit is actually speaking. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, Paul and his his companions traveled throughout the region of Phalagra and Galatia, having been kept by the Spirit from preaching the Word in the providence of Asia. Here the Holy Spirit blocked them from actually going somewhere. Here's another way that the Holy Spirit actually speaks to us. Sometimes he blocks us from actually doing something that we think is what we actually ought to be doing. But here the Holy Spirit has thrown a stop sign in front of them. Acts chapter 18, verse 9. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Again, another vision. And he says to Paul, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. So for us, we have to get to this place in Psalm chapter 34. I sought the Lord and he answered me. This is the beautiful promise of God for all of us that has happened over and over and over and over as we've studied through the book of Acts. People wrestling with the right direction. People wrestling with the will of God. People trying to be obedient to God who are seeking God. And the beautiful promise that we have in Scripture is when we seek Him with all of our heart then we will find Him. The psalmist says, I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all of our fears. For each and every one of us, we have to get to this resolve in our life so that we would be a people that seeking God for every single area of our life. So imagine what it would be like for us as followers of Jesus Christ when we experience tension in our relationships around us. If what we would do is say, "Faith, hey, for just a second, I'm going to step out of the tension of that relationship and I'm going to seek God with all of my heart, with all of my being because before I mess something else up, what I've got to do is resolve this situation with the Lord so that I am being a holy person in this moment and then stepping back into the situation, the tension in the relationship, actually then doing the will of God. That's what is modeled for us through the book of Acts. A people that are devoted, devoted to seeking God first in every area of their life. And the beautiful thing, God doesn't play hide and seek with us. God is not hiding from us. God is just waiting for us. That's it. He did not say in Jeremiah chapter 33... If you seek me, you're never going to find me. Because I am a holy God and you are a sinful people. That's not the way that God operates. Because whenever sin entered into the relationship between God and mankind, God began from that moment to put forward into place a plan for himself to come and wrap himself in flesh and to pay the sin debt so that God could be with his people again. God isn't hiding from you. God is waiting for you to seek him with all of his heart with all of your heart so that as you seek him with all of your heart then you will be able to sense what God is leading and stirring inside of you we see through all the book of acts God has spoke through countless or through not just the book of acts through all the scripture God has spoken in countless ways he's spoken through visions he has spoken through creation, he has spoken through other people, he has spoken with an audible voice, he spoke through men and women, the young and the old, at one point he even spoke through a donkey. But what God is waiting, what God is waiting for is for you to seek him with all of your heart. This is the resolve that the apostle Paul had. Despite the hardships, despite his own life that he would have to give, he was committed to seeking God with all of his heart. Despite the bleak outlook that he had in life, Paul knew that he was victorious. He knew that he was not the victim he knew that there was nothing that they could do for him to, to do against him or to him that could sever his relationship that he actually had with Jesus Christ. So there's three short things that I want to ask you to do. And I'll put them up there in just one second. And so at this point, I wonder. Has God blocked me from putting them up there because they're not... Go oh, there they are. No. It's not on my iPad, but it's on your screen. Here's some things that, that I think will help us get to this place to where Paul was at. The first thing is you've got to be someone committed to seeking God and listening to Him. However, however... God speaks. You've got to be listening. So if he's coming to you and he's speaking to you when you're standing on the edge of the ocean, you're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, you're standing in front of the mirror in your bathroom, you've got to be seeking God in those moments so that you don't miss the will of God, so that you don't miss the voice of God, so that you don't miss God leading you in those moments. And again, God speaks all kinds of different ways. We can't begin to even make a comprehensive list Because who are we to define how God wants to speak to His people? God will speak however He wants to speak. If God just decided that these chairs were going to get up and start speaking, God has that power. Now, my eyes are going to be about this big around, but we cannot restrict how God wants to speak to us. Our job has to just be to seek Him. And as we seek Him, keep a spiritual awareness around us So that as he speaks, we actually are sensing what he's doing. If he's speaking in a dream, if he's speaking in a vision, if he's speaking through somebody else, if he's speaking from blocking us, if he's speaking from opening a door, if he's speaking through mail, if he's speaking through whatever. We've just got to keep that awareness. And it all starts whenever we seek God. How do we seek God? It's easy to say, seek God, seek God, seek God. How do you seek God? One of the things that frustrates me is when people say, God hasn't spoken to me. Because I assure you, He has spoken to you. It's recorded in Genesis to Revelation. This is the Word of God. And you cannot sense where God is leading you if you are not in the Word of God. Because how God operates has been revealed inside of this book. And when we are inside of the Word of God, then we can begin to sense where God is actually leading us. And whenever God leads, it will never contradict what's recorded from Genesis to Revelation. It's not possible. The other thing that we have to remember when we seek God is God is not double-minded. So what do I mean by that? God is not going to tell you one thing and tell somebody else something opposite. Because that would make God a liar. And the scripture tells us that God is not a liar. God is only true. And so for God to tell you that you have to pack up and move to Antarctica, and then tell somebody else that they need to tell you you should not pack up and move to Antarctica, somebody's wrong. And I promise you, it's not God. So what we have to do is step back from those situations and we have to get into His Word and seeking Him with all of our heart. That's a part of seeking God with all of our heart. You've got to be committed to the Word of God and you've got to be committed to spending time in prayer with Him. So what do I mean by prayer? Prayer is not a monologue that we just do all the talking. Instead, prayer is a dialogue To where we talk to God and then we pause and we begin to sense or listen to how he may be directing us. For me, what I believe works best for for, for myself is in those moments to sit with a journal and begin to write some things down. And there are oftentimes, I will, more often than not, this is how I'll write in my journal. God, I sense or feel that this is what you are impressing on me in this moment, but I'm not certain about that. And so I'm just gonna record it right here in my journal. I'm gonna keep praying through this. I'm gonna keep studying your word. I'm gonna keep seeking you with all of my heart until I have some clarity about what I've actually written down. And it's in those moments I don't go out and act upon what I think may be God speaking until he brings the clarity. Because what happens if we were to take off, we would be outside of God's timing. And the clarity comes in situations when God's timing is perfect. And it's not that we go act and run away. We wait for the clarity because the clarity is the clue that God is leading us in the moment. One thing that our state pastor Ken Love often says, and I think about this all the time, is we often have the essence of what God is doing right, but we have the timing wrong. And if you act with the wrong timing, you're outside of the will of God. We've got to make sure that the essence of what God is doing is right, and the timing of God what wants for us is right as well. And I've experienced that's the vital importance for my journal, because as I write it down, I slow down the moment And then I wait for God to actually bring clarity to those situations. And so we've got to seek God and listen. And that's what it actually means to seek God and listen. And then we've just got to be a people that are obedient. Whenever God reveals something and whenever it's confirmed and we've got clarity, that's when we just go be obedient. That's what Paul has modeled for us in Acts chapter 20 and Acts chapter 21. He had clarity of the situation He knew what God's will was. And even though it was going to hurt, and even though it wouldn't have been what he chose, he went forward with it because Paul said, I'm just obedient. And whenever we are obedient to God and what he has revealed to us, the beautiful thing is the consequences are not on us. We were just the obedient servants. And so whenever we move forward, we know the promise in the Scripture is God works all things, all things for good. And there can be no bad come when we're just obedient servants. And then that's what it means to rest knowing that He's in control. We just rest. It's the, the weight's not on us. We're just obedient servants. But you have to seek God with all of your heart. And you know what happened in Acts chapter 21, verse 14? Whenever it had just been revealed to Paul with additional clarity, that final step of clarity, what was actually going to happen to him, Paul could have at that point said, Whoa, 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 I thought this is what God was doing. And I, I thought that I was going to have to be arrested and I thought that I was going to have to give my life. But I wasn't certain about that. But now God has actually spoken it through somebody else in a bold prophetic word that was actually spoken to Paul. Paul could have said, I'm out, God. But you know what Paul did? He was resting and knowing that God is in control, that God was in control. And even though they take my life, I know that God's working all things for my good. And so my question for you is, what are those tensions that you have in your life? What are those things that are so hard in your life that you're just trying to figure out what the will of God is? That you're just trying, God, I just need you to tell me what is the next step that I've got to take. The way that you resolve that tension is to seek God with all of your heart. Imagine what our families would be like if we were a people that sought God first above all things. What would it be like if in our job when that tension is in our job and we were first a people that was like I'm not going to get wrestling in that t- I'm not going to get caught up in that wrestling match or that tension that's going on at work I'm going to step back and I'm going to seek God with all of my heart so that he can help resolve that tension What would it be like if we were first a people that instead of trying to figure out our finances to try to figure out the problems that we have at home if we were people that said I've got to step back and I've got to seek God with all of my heart so that he can order those steps. My ask of you today is, would you make that commitment to live out Jeremiah thirty-three, thirteen, and experience that promise where God said to us, if you will seek me and find me, if you seek me with all of your heart. Would you make that commitment to God? Not for me, not for this church, not for other people that are in this room, but for you. God wants that for you. He's not hiding. He's not gonna be gone forever. That's not how God works. God's just waiting on you to seek him with all
0: of your heart. Thanks for joining us at White Chapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week.